Welcome to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks with expert advice from Jim Lang, Pittsburgh-based CPA, attorney, and retirement and estate planning expert. Jim is also the author of Retire Secure, Pay Taxes Later. To find out more about his book, his practice, Lang Financial Group, and how to secure Jim as a speaker for your next event, visit his website at retiresecure.com. Now, get ready to talk smart money. Hello and welcome to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. I'm your host, Nicole DiMartino, and I'm here this evening with two of the country's top tax experts tonight, and we're live. Uh, of course, I'm here with Jim Lang, CPA attorney and best-selling author of the first and second edition of Retire Secure, and also his third book, new book, The Roth Revolution, Pay Taxes Once and Never Again, now available on Amazon.com. Tonight, we're going to be covering several issues that you need to be aware of when you're preparing for your 2010 taxes. And to help Jim in the conversation tonight, we're so pleased to have Bob Keebler on the show with us tonight. Bob, are you there? Well, maybe not. Well, he probably... I'm here. Oh, good, good, good. Good evening. (laughs) But you gave us a good scare, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Good evening, Bob. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Before we get started, Bob certainly isn't a stranger to the Lang Money Hour. He's been with us several times. Uh, Before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about Bob, and I'm sure maybe Jim will probably add some details after I'm done. But our guest tonight, Bob Keebler, is a nationally recognized expert in estate and retirement planning and Roth IRA conversions. He's been named one of the top 100 most influential CPAs in the country four out of the last six years, and he's also won the uh, award for he's the top 40 advisors to know during a reception and recession and both of those awards have been given by cpa magazine bob is the author of the big ira book and the rebirth of roth a cpa's ultimate guide for client care in his recent book his most recent book 100 roth ira examples and flow charts he's also been published dozens of times in the new york times chicago tribune barons the wall street journal USA Today and Financial Advisor Magazine. So I'm sure Jim may want to add some things. I want to uh, remind our listeners that you have Jim and Bob at your disposal tonight because we are live. That number is 412-333-9385. 412-333-9385. So certainly feel free to call in and uh, get your tax questions answered right on the spot. And I'd like to add one other thing um, before we get into the substance. Um, and this was told to me by a financial advisor who had read my book, and he said, boy, after reading your book, if I wasn't a financial advisor, I would go to you. Well, I do think I have some expertise in Roth IRAs and Roth IRA conversions, and even for that matter, general tax expertise. But if I did not, and I had to pick somebody, let's say even all, all, all throughout the country, I don't think that there is anybody that I would pick before Bob Keebler for any Roth IRA or difficult tax issue. And I mean that sincerely, Bob. I'm honored that you are here to talk about both uh, year-end planning and maybe a little bit about Roth IRA conversions. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome, Jim. Um, Bob, the, one, of the, one of the issues that, that the, the, this, this to me is the toughest year-end planning than we've ever had because of the enormous uncertainty in both income tax rates and also estate rates, and there's a lot of unresolved issues um, in terms of even extensions of certain tax breaks that we are used to. What are some of the things that you are telling your clients, and what do you think some of our listeners should be concerned about? 
Well, I think the big thing right now is for people to take a real objective look at whether the Roth IRA fits into their overall plan. Now, for people that you know, are retired and they do not need their IRAs, most of those people unequivocally, you know, unless they have major charitable goals, should you know, have probably a 70 or 80% chance that they should convert at least some of their IRA over to the Roth. Now, for people that are going to need the money, the issue is it's actually much more complicated, Jim. So someone that comes to you and says, you know, Jim, I, I'm 70. I've never touched this IRA. Um, what should I do with it? you probably should take a real hard look at whether they should convert to Roth. On the other hand, they come to you and they say, you know, I, I, I'm going to need this money to live on, no, no doubt about it. Then the Roth becomes a much more difficult calculation, but nothing we can't work through. Well, it, it's interesting, Bob, because, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of shows and we've had a lot of content with Roth IRA conversions. And this, by the way, listeners, this was not a setup to talk about Roth um, again, but... But um, Bob Keebler immediately went to Roth as perhaps the most important year-end planning tool, and and I'm even I'm I'm in the process of writing an email, and I'm trying to s- decide whether I'm going to say I told you so next year for the people who didn't convert. So I I think that that Bob picking this up as the most important year-end planning tool um, is probably very appropriate. Right. I, I would encourage all of your listeners to spend 15 minutes today, um, tonight, before they go to bed, and look at different websites for the different press organizations on what's going on in Washington. And the, no politics, but the House and the Senate are struggling with what to do with these tax bills. And parties are diametrically opposed. And we're, you know, there's a very good chance that tax rates could go up for everyone. If that actually were to happen, then many of our clients are going to regret not having converted to the Roth IRA. So I, I think that's um, kind of what we're up against and what we have to work so hard on. Bob, what do you think of the strategy, since you are allowed to recharacterize, or I actually prefer the more common word, undo, Roth IRA conversions, what do you think of the idea of making a Roth IRA conversion or even making a Roth IRA conversion of several different IRAs, um, and then waiting until maybe next September and October to decide what you are really going to do in terms of whether you're going to keep the Roth IRA conversion, and then if so, if you're going to recognize income in 2010, or whether you're going to recognize half the income in 2011 and half in 2012. And it seems to me what the tax rates are, which... We will hopefully know much sooner than them, but we should certainly know by then will be a major determination about whether, how much, and when you should recognize Roth IRA conversions. I think tax rates are going to be the driver. So no, virtually no CPA in the country can advise their clients what to do right now. But once we know what to do, so what I've been telling the CPAs, we, there was a lot of teaching, Jim, from October 15th through December 1st, and what I, what I told the CPAs in the classes and webinars is to create pivot points with your clients. Like, if this happens in the tax bill, this is what we're going to do, and if that happens, this is what we'll do. And the point of that, and it still holds true today, is there's simply not enough time for clients to get with their advisors between now, you know, everybody can't get in after December 20th. So we, we have to meet 
analyze and figure out you know what we're going to do under different circumstances. So those are all kind of what we're up against. All right, and, and by the way, I, I don't know if, if listeners know this, but you are not only um, a wonderful advisors to end users, but you are one of the top, if, um, if not the top, um, advisor to advisors in the area of IRAs and, and Roth IRA conversions. So, for example, many um, advisors um, turn to you, and I believe you have a series of, of workshops that you do, and then, then are you not also teaming up with someone to do um, IRA and retirement and estate planning workshops? Well, exactly. We're, we're working hard on that, and that's a, an important part of our practice. I mean, I think it's it helps a lot of people if we can teach other advisors, you know, what what we're thinking about. Um, so, but towards the end of the year here, I think there are a number of things. It, it, the dynamics are so big. I would encourage every one of your listeners to sit down with the person that does their tax return and just to make sure they're not missing anything that they should be doing. Um, you know, should they be doing more charitable gifts before the end of the year? Should they be, if tax rates go up, all of us should um, work hard. So, you know, if you have a cash basis company and somebody owes you $15,000, call them, beg them, say, pay me this year. Um, because if, I, if you pay me this year, I'll pay tax on it at 35%, not 39.6%. So, and then on deductions, maybe some of the deductions a cash basis taxpayer should be deferred. Um, everyone should be doing IRAs. I, I mean, there's just, there's just a ton of things that all of us should be reviewing, you know, just very di- in a very disciplined way. Just go down the checklist and make sure you're dotting I's and crossing T's. Yeah, and, and what makes it so hard, I, I've, I've played with some numbers myself, and it seems to me that if tax rates are going to go up, so let's say right now, as scheduled, unless legislation changes the current rates for 2011 is if you're, let's say, a 35% taxpayer and you're going to be a 39.6% taxpayer, I would absolutely agree with Bob's analysis that it would make more sense to accelerate income and defer deductions, which is the exact opposite of what we usually tell people, unless, and and I calculated, unless you can do better than 13% on your your time value of money, that that would be the way to do it. On the other hand, if they they change the rates, and, and the other thing is they could split the baby and say, well, we're going to change the rates for maybe middle-income taxpayers, but um, or, or we're going to keep the same Bush-era tax cuts for the middle-income taxpayers, but people at, let's say, 250 and above, if you're married, which is what President Obama wants, or I've even heard the suggestion... Um, to keep the tax rates the same for everybody below a million dollars. I find this a very difficult environment to plan. And I like your idea of having some guidelines set up ahead of time. Right. So all we can do is, is try to look for guidelines. We, we know the general principles, and we're just going to have to flex with what the law does. Now, it's very possible that Congress could actually come back between Christmas and New Year's. I mean, that would be almost unprecedented if they can't get this done. Do you think that there's a chance that they will get it done after year end, or is that going to be difficult because um, it, it's hard to have a tax increase or decrease in the middle of the year? Well, they would do it. They could possibly do it on a retroactive basis, but my guess is that they're going to want to solve it this year because the 
just the sheer numbers are, we, we all know this, but right now the Democratic Party controls the House and the Senate. Um, that changes in January, where the Republicans now control the House. So if I'm the Democrats, you know, I, I want to be very strong right now while I still have control. And if I'm the Republicans, um, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be patient because I'm going to, you know, I'm going to rule pretty soon. Now, even in January, though, we have to remember that the Democratic Party will still control the Senate, and the president, of course, is a Democratic, you know, Democratic president. So, you know, it's it's just very dynamic right now, Jim. And I think no one knows what's going to happen. All we can do is focus on um, figuring out, trying to figure out what's going to happen is really a waste of energy. Look, creating pivot points of what should you do if this happens or if that happens is really where the action is. Well, that 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 was your that was the what you said, but I um, can I take it you don't like the idea of taking your best shot and then looking at it and considering a recharacterization? Or oh no, under- no 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 that no the, and if that's what I said I, I well you I, didn't you I didn't say it but I but you you kind of didn't answer that so I wanted to I wanted to clarify because I've actually um, by the way I'm. I myself am a, a big fan of your material, and you have you were one of the very early guys to talk about the benefits of um, making Roth IRA conversions and sometimes even multiple Roth IRA conversions, then taking a look later to see whether you should recharacterize them. And I'm wondering if that wouldn't even be more appropriate in this uncertain time. So rather than let's say, really sweating it out and waiting till the last couple of days of the year that you, when in doubt, convert and then, then take a real hard look in, let's say, September 2011 and decide what you're going to keep and what you're going to undo and then also address the issue of whether you're going to recognize the income in 2010 or half in 2011 and half in 2012. Well, that, that's the, one of the beauties is with the... And just to explain to your listeners, the recharacterization means if you convert to a Roth, you can undo it. Yeah, thank you. And Jim's probably spoken to you about this (coughs) before. But let's say that um, you have $200,000 in your IRA, and you convert $50,000 over to the Roth, okay? The law would allow you to, if you didn't like that, to recharacterize, to go back and pretend it never happened. Now, if you decide to do that, you can either pay all of the income tax in 2000, on your 2010 tax return, or remember we did a $50,000 conversion. If you decide to keep it, you could put 25000 on 2011 and 25000 on 2012. What you do, no one knows what you should do right now. But the beauty of this is, let's say you're totally wrong. You convert, and then you look back and you go, what in the world did I do that for? You can undo it. You, you have a mulligan here. So I think the biggest thing for all of us to pay attention to is that's one of the places where we can accelerate income with virtually no risk. Um, so that's something you can do immediately. Now, a very big issue on that, Jim, is many brokerage firms will not be able to honor conversions done, say, after December 20th. So listeners should talk to their brokers and say, you know, when is my drop-dead day on this? Because if I can't convert... You know, if I, if I can't do this on December 30th is the date, December 20th, when is the day where you no longer will process this for me? I mean, that's really important. I'd hate to see anybody get caught in that. 
And I, I think a, a lot of people got caught in it last year. I, I, I know that for a fact. So that is a, that is a very good warning. Now, so what people should be doing, I mean, if there are five or six things for, um, you know, us to look at, one is everyone should probably be looking at Roth contributions, whether they're deductible or non-deductible. It takes a long time to make this work, but over time it will pay off for you. Secondly, Roth conversions. Thirdly, um, we want to look at um, should you be harvesting losses in your stock portfolio? Can we use those losses to reduce your tax burden today? So, so that's a very important issue. Now, many of your listeners um, in western Pennsylvania are probably involved in oil and gas, so make sure your CPAs know what's going on there and how it's going to affect your return. Um, we have many clients that actually used oil and gas investments, Jim, as a way to reduce the tax hit on their Roth conversion. Um, so, so that's an important thing to look at. Yeah, um, and, and, and back in the old days, like last year, when you had to have income of less than $100,000, I occasionally used, even though I usually don't necessarily encourage people to go into oil and gas, particularly if they're not experts in it, but I would occasionally do that, and I almost looked at it as a, um, as a ticket to, to qualify for a Roth IRA conversion. So let's say I had a guy who was at $105,000 and we really wanted to do a Roth conversion, but we couldn't because our income was too high. If he bought a $10,000 interest in an oil and gas and he got depletion of, say, eight or $9,000, that would push him under the limit and, in effect, give him the uh, ability to make a Roth IRA conversion. And, and, you know, and then if we switch gears on the estate planning side, we do not know. It, it is possible but unlikely that the exemption could go back to a million dollars a person, which means a couple with a couple million dollars of assets, which is still a big number, um, would have an estate tax problem. And if you're in that situation um, and you have capital that you can give away, um, you're allowed to give $13,000 per child. So husband and wife with two children, um, let's say husband and wife are in their, are in their early 80s, children in their 50s, um, Maybe they gift each child thirteen thousand, so twenty six thousand per child. Um, but we, you can get that out of your estate, so that you won't have to worry about estate tax in the future. If you have a larger estate, um, and you go see someone like Jim, they're going to talk about other more sophisticated things. But there are plenty of techniques. I just put together a list of the sixteen best planning ideas today for a seminar we're working on, Jim. And um, there are so many opportunities and. Um, there's still a lot that we can do. So I think, you know, between now and the end of the year, there's some hard work to do. Yeah, no, 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 I'll, by, by the way, you can't see me here, obviously, because it's radio, but my eyes are, like, lit up because I'm thinking, wow, Bob Keeper has 16 of his favorite ideas, um, and I, I assume that that's not going to be available to consumers. Although I will also tell you this, Bob, your newsletter is, is so good and you give so much information that, frankly, many people would charge for. Um, would uh, and I and I know that your that your business now is different because you used to be a partner at a at least a medium-sized CPA firm, and now you are on your own. Are you planning to maintain your email newsletter? Uh, we're going to maintain that. Um, so, and that's available to lawyers, CPAs, financial advisors, trust officers who, um, if they just send me a note. Um, they can Google me and get my address, and then they, if they just send me a note, I'll put them on the, on the email list. 
Okay. All right. Well, that, that is helpful because I know we have a lot of financial advisors all through the country who are, who are also listening to this. Um, so, again, we have this uncertainty, but what do you think of the idea of when in doubt convert and then and then and do it before as you said you know within the deadline and then and I'll tell you what I'm telling people I'm telling people if you make a conversion to consider doing an extension on your tax return paying some money in with that extension and then actually filing the return after you have finally decided how much you're going to convert and whether you're going to convert in 2009 and 2010 do you like I, that I'm, idea, or, or do you have do you have something else that, that you think? No, I, I'm better? good with that. I, I'm good with that. And what most people, if you have a larger IRA, say two or three hundred thousand, and you have two different mutual funds in there, in the ideal world, you would convert each mutual fund separately. Your your financial advisor can teach you how to do this. But that way, if one goes up and one goes down, the one that goes up in value you keep in the Roth, and the one that goes down you recharacterize. You create a situation where you virtually can't lose. Well, I I know that you have been a big fan of that, and I I really like that idea. Um, so um, I think that it is it is Jim. It is a we need to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, Jim and Jim and Bob are going to carry on the conversation. We are live. That number is four one two three three three. 9385 if you want to pose a question to Jim or Bob. You're listening to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQVAM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQVAM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. Hello, welcome back to the Lang Money Hour. We are here with Jim Lang, CPA attorney and best-selling author, and we're also here uh, this evening with Bob Keebler, another nationally recognized retirement planning and tax expert. Um, Bob, I wanted to pick up on something that you said before, which um, you, t you said that this might be a very good time to make gifts before year end and you mentioned that you could give 13,000 per year per beneficiary if you're married that's 26,000 per year per beneficiary but we didn't talk about necessarily what types of gifts and we also didn't necessarily talk about um, gifts to grandchildren that might include section 529 plans and I want to know if if in your recommendations to clients you you use other than just straightforward stocks and bonds um, as gifting material, if you will. Right, right. Just, just for everybody, again, it's 13000 from each person. So if grandma and grandpa have five grandchildren and they were so inclined, they can gift each grandchild up to $26,000, okay, between the two of them. And most of the time when the gifts are to grandchildren, they're going to be in trust, because, you know, grandparents are wise and they realize you need to bring some adult supervision to the party. Otherwise, the grandchildren are going to disappoint um, their parents and their grandparents with what they do with that money. Now, so most of the time we're going to use a trust. Most of the time when parents gift to children um, who are adult children in their 40s or 50s, 
sometimes those gifts are outright gems, sometimes they're in trust, but we gift all kinds of property. We, we gift um, partnerships in real estate, we gift cash, we gift stocks and bonds, um, sometimes we gift businesses. Um, so, you know, it can be really anything you own. There are, there are no restrictions. It's just a matter of figuring out what things are worth. And, and, and what do you think of Section 529 plans, which, which I always consider a variation of a gift or a subset of a gift? The, the best thing about a 529 plan is that it accomplishes both income tax and estate planning goals because the growth of a 529 plan is going to be tax-free. Now, the benefit varies greatly from state to state, okay? So some states have wonderful plans. Some states have plans that aren't so great. You're going to have to talk to people in your state to figure out whether they like the 529 plans that are available. Now, there are nationwide plans, too, that are also out there. Now, one of the other benefits of 529 is, let's say you had five grandchildren, and you start setting up 529 plans, and the oldest grandchild, who is very smart and, you know, um, gets into a, a, a wonderful school and has a scholarship. Um, and so he doesn't really need the 529 plan. You are allowed to then use that 529 plan for other grandchildren or for nieces and nephews. Um, I mean, so there are, there are ways to move that 529 plan around that would not be available if you just put $13,000 in a trust for that child. So I think the 529 plans have tremendous flexibility. Um, they can accomplish a lot of goals. Now, we always have to be careful not to overfund, okay? And we also have to remember that for very affluent families, 529 plans may or may not be the right way to go because under the law, um, in addition to being able to gift $13,000, if my grandson is attending, um, you know, Penn State and it's 20000 tuition's 20000 a year, I can write the check out right to Penn State, and that doesn't count towards my $13,000. So that's something else that we have to worry about, or not worry about, but that's another great opportunity we have to focus on. Yeah, you, you, but by the way, you mentioned um, it, it varies by state. I will just mention the state of Pennsylvania, there has been a relatively, I think within the last two or three years, a change of the underlying investment company. It used to be Delaware funds, and I don't want to say anything bad about any set of funds, but I'll just say that, that um, I am much happier with the choice of Vanguard. So now if you are a Pennsylvania resident and you are interested in setting up a tax-free education fund for the benefit of your children or grandchildren, um, you could do it with Vanguard funds that might be have a slightly lower cost and and might be a little bit better recognized and something that, that you might be comfortable with. Um, the other thing that um, I, I think is wonderful about the plans is that when, when Bob said um, it is not in your estate, that's correct. So if you, if you make a, a Roth, a uh, 529 contribution to a grandchild and then you die, that money in, that you gave to the grandchild is not in your estate. On the other hand, let's assume your worst case fears do come true and you actually need that money, you're allowed to take it back. And it's the only area of the law, and, and correct me if, if you can think of any other, Bob, where you can affect, make a gift, have it not included in your estate, but make a gift with a string that you can take it back, but if even with the string, it's still not included in your estate. 
I, I think that's right. It's probably one of the few areas where we have that kind of flexibility. Yeah, that's 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 one of my favorite areas. Um, are there some other areas that you are advising your clients um, to be careful of at the end of the year, such as uh, capital gains or or refinancing or establishing a 401k plan? Actually, there, I'm sure there's plenty of them, but are there any that you want to highlight? Um, I, I think basically the 401k plan is is a really big thing um, for a lot of clients are setting up charitable gift funds where, and this is interesting, where let's say that I wasn't sure, you know, who I wanted to gift money to, but I want the deduction this year. I can move, let's say it's $5,000. I can move $5,000 into a charitable gift fund where I, where I eventually have to gift the money to charity. But in the meantime, I don't have to decide. So I could make my gifts in the future, but I get the deduction now. So so that is um, that is a really big thing for us yeah, to do. Yeah, and, and at the risk of, a, of making any specific recommendations, um, I know individual investment firms will handle that, and also the Pittsburgh Foundation um, is is um, a convenient vehicle for for that strategy. Um, are you for our self-employed listeners, and we do have um, self-employed listeners. Um, are you a big fan of the one-person 401k plan? I, I'm okay with that. The, the problem with the one-person pension plans is you have to be very careful with the amount of asset protection you pick up. And because, see, if you're in a multi-employer plan, Jim, you know the law well, and you end up in a bad financial situation, they cannot take that plan away from you. That, that, that's, why o, that's why O.J. Simpson, by the way, doesn't have financial issues because he has... Um, a lot of money in an ERISA creditor-protected plan. So he's, yes. sit- he's sitting there in jail with plenty of money. <laughs> well, no, that, that, that's exactly right. So, um, you know, that's why people, if you're going to set up these plans, you always want to talk to your lawyer and make sure you understand exactly what creditor protection you're getting or not getting. On the other hand, that's no worse than a plain old IRA or Roth IRA, is it? Um in some states, it actually could be. So that's what we have to be careful about. And that's, since you're so nationwide, I think it's really good to find an expert in that state to talk to. Okay. And I, 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 will, I will just mention, at least in Pennsylvania, that um, it might be controversial whether the one-person 401k plan offers better protection than a IRA or Roth IRA. But um, to my knowledge, it certainly is not worse in terms of creditor protection. What do you think about um, the ability to have um, higher contributions to the one-person 401k plan than, let's say, a simple or a SEP? And do you ever use a Roth component inside the, the 401k plan? I personally make my 401k contributions into the Roth portion, not into the... Um, you know, not into the the regular traditional portion. And the reason for that is when I retire, I want to make sure I have three pools of capital. So if you just vision this in your mind, a, a pool of capital that is going to be completely tax-free, that's the Roth. Then a pool of capital that's my regular pension plan, profit-sharing plan, that I will be able to draw on and fill up my lower tax brackets. And finally, I would like to have a pool of capital that's my outside brokerage account, whatever I've been able to save um, from wages um, that's out there for me. 
All right, and, and by the way, I don't know if, if listeners really recognize how significant this is because a lot of times people come in and say, hey, I want to convert everything or I don't want to have anything to convert. But what, what Bob is pointing out is converting everything might not be a good idea because you literally, um, you could even have a million dollars of investable assets and with Social Security and even if, particularly if those investments are are invested in a tax-efficient manner, you could still be in a very low tax bracket. So what Bob is saying is don't convert everything. Keep some money outside. The other thing, Bob, that we have noticed is if you convert too much, what happens is that might lower your minimum required distribution from your IRA so much that that alone will keep you in a lower tax bracket. Well, th- that's exactly right. Now, those are the things you have to keep in mind. And I think the other thing, Jim, that goes that is really applicable to um, people with a little bit more wealth. But remember, in 2013, if things stay on track, the health care bill um, puts a whole other dynamic in this because there's going to be a surtax on taking money out of pension plans. Yeah, that, that's that's right. And And a lot of people who right now are taxed at, let's say, 35%, unless something changes, many of those people will be taxed at 43.6%. That's exactly right. And, that, and that, that, that's, a, that's, a pretty good, that's a pretty good bump, and that, that means that it might make more sense to accelerate some of the income and potentially even with the Roth IRA conversion now um, before you get these higher tax rates. And, and here's the other thing that I would say. Um, on future tax rates. Yes, it's maybe unclear what is going to happen in 2011 and 2012, you know, right now, and even 2013 with the, with the um, health care surtax. But I, I have the feeling that in general, tax rates over the next 5, 10, 20, 30 years are going to go up, and Roth IRA conversions would be even more valuable if that is the case, is that, um, that, that that's probably reasonable? If you just look at the demographics, that probably is what has to happen. All righty. Um, do do we have to? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I, I thought I was being signaled for a break. Um, no. And I and I know Bob that you have a prior commitment. Right. So when, whenever whenever you have to to head out, you just 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 say that, and then I'll finish up on my own. Um, sure. Well, we can take a couple questions, and then I. I I probably should try to make it to my next commitment. All righty. Um, right now, unfortunately, uh, we do not have any additional questions. Um, I, I'll tell you one of the things I'd like to talk about a little bit because, and, and, and by the way, I will refer readers to the last time you were on because you gave a wonderful discussion about tax loss harvesting. And this, in effect, is the offsetting of gains and losses. And that's... You, you gave some really powerful information, so maybe if, if you could just wrap up on that one topic and talk a little bit about offsetting um, gains and losses, and then also the fact that um, right now we're enjoying favorable ta- um, capital gains rate, but that might not always be the case. Right. The, the issue with tax loss harvesting is that most of us should aggressively, at the end of each year, clean up our portfolios and try to use those losses to offset current year capital gains. Now, if rates go up, this may not be a smart move this year. 
you may be better if you know you're going to have gains in the future to let those losses lay fallow and harvest them next year where they're going to offset income that would otherwise be taxed at a higher rate. And what's possible is we might have the the tax rate jump from 15% to 20%. And if that happens, that, that just changes everything. So, I mean, I, I think that's out there. We have to look at that. And that's where, you know, your CPA can give you some advice on what to do. But go through your portfolio, look at your losses, and try to harvest them. Now, sometimes you're going to be, you know, most reasonable people are going to say, well, I'm afraid to harvest because what if, like today, I think the market was up, at least when I looked, a couple hundred points. Well, what you don't want to do is have the market run away from you. And there are techniques such as doubling up on your the stock in your portfolio, and there's certain very very complex things you can do with options that allow you to basically stay keep most of your financial exposure with uh, still being able to harvest your loss. Anyway, Bob, you have been a, a, a great source of information, as always. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart from taking this time from your very busy schedule. Could you please tell listeners where they could get some of your materials, um, particularly your Roth books, um, and, and then I will also just put in a plug for the financial advisors and, you, and Bob, you might want to give them a, a contact place um, for your workshops coming up, um, both the ones that you do and the ones that you do with Phil Cavish. Sure. A couple of quick things. Um, anything, if, you'd, um, if you Google me, uh, my email address will pop right up, and you'll be able to send me a note. Again, it's just Robert Keebler, or Robert Keebler CPA might be the best way to Google me. And then... Um, if you're interested in the seminars for financial advisors that we do, mostly on IRA-type planning, um, you can call our marketing person, and her, her name is Lisa, and her number is 920-593-1705. Um, and, uh, or 17, actually, 1704 is a better number, but give her a call, and uh, she'll be able to tell you when the next classes are. Are, are they she, still at Lambeau Field? Uh, we do them right at Lambeau Field. You can see the field right from where we teach the seminar. So it's, it's a wonderful, it's just a, it's a great experience for people. All righty. And, and then what, what about your Roth IRA book, specifically the rebirth of Roth? Because that, that was one of my favorites. Um, that book is available through the AICPA. Again, if you call Lisa, she can tell you um, how to get that. Okay. Anyway, Bob, I know you have to run... You've been terrific. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, wonderful to be with your group again. Thanks, Bob. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Lang Money Hour. The Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks, featuring the expert advice of Pittsburgh-based CPA attorney Jim Lang. More coming up on KQV AM 1410. The Lang Money Hour continues on KQV AM 1410. For all of your financial needs, turn to Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, 412-521-2732. Let's talk more smart money. Well, welcome back to the Lang Money Hour. We just said goodbye to uh, our guest tonight, Bob Keebler, uh, National uh, Retirement Planning and Tax Expert. And just as a recap, if you do, if you are an advisor and you want to get more information on Bob's uh, workshops and whatnot, you can call his marketing director. Her name is Lisa uh, that number was 
1705, or you can Google him at Bob Keebler CPA. Uh, one thing that we I want to bring everyone's attention to is we've, we're covering a lot of material. And this week, Jim has put together a, an excellent document along with one of the other CPAs in our office. It's, it's entitled Year-End Tax Strategies for 2010. It is a comprehensive 14-page document that if in fact you're listening tonight and you send me an email, I'm Nicole, I am Jim's, I'm Jim's marketing director. My email is Nicole at paytaxeslater.com. I will send you a hard copy um, of this report. And again, it's very comprehensive, excellent timing. You're going to be planning your taxes. It covers um, everything that we spoke about tonight, Roth conversions, tax loss, tax loss harvesting, um, charitable gifts, um, all of those things. So it is an excellent document to have. Again, you can email me, Nicole at paytaxeslater.com for that, and I'll get it right out to you tomorrow. And I, I wanted to, to um, clear up a couple things that might not have been totally clear, and then also talk about some other year-end pla tax planning strategies. Um, Bob mentioned the fact that right now there is an un unlimited... Um, amount that you can pass on if you die during 2010, but if nothing happens, that amount is going to be um, changed to a million dollars in 2011. Now, he, he mentioned gifting, but the other thing that might be very appropriate is to review your wills and estate plans, and I have always been a big believer in flexible estate plans where we don't force certain amounts of money based on a formula into a trust. I've been a big fan of um, the cascading beneficiary plan where basically with for traditional families you leave money to a surviving spouse first, a B trust option next, kids next, and grandkids last. And the decision of what goes to whom can be made not now but after the first death. So I'll just say that that's other way to handle uncertainty. Now we don't have any workshops in December because it that people just don't feel like coming to workshops in December, <laughs> which is one of the reasons, by the way, why we are sending the um, the DVD of the workshop um, for the cost of the book. Which is, by the way, if you're listening out there, that is, <laughs> I think that's a no-brainer. That it's a it's a and the other thing is the la when we we just taped it, um, mm -hmm. so it and it's not even available yet. So you might have to wait mm -hmm. a little bit. But it, we, it's it's a real very good um, product that I think that you'll be very happy with. I wanted to mention a couple other changes in the in the uh, plan. Bob mentioned establishing a 401k plan. If you want to make a 401k plan contribution um, for December 2010, you actually have to get that paperwork in before December 31, 2010. And again, don't let that go to the last minute because there might be a paperwork problem. If you want to just put money in a SEP um, or a self-employed pension plan, you can wait as long as October 15, 2011, but I prefer the, the, the uh, one-person 401k plan because you can put more money in you can have a Roth component to the plan, and um, I usually prefer that over and above a SEP. A couple other things. 
um, this might be one of the best times in history to refinance. Um, mm -hmm. This, you know, right now mortgage rates are literally at, a, at historic lows. Qualifying for that mortgage might be a little bit tougher than in prior years because banks have been a little bit stingier about giving out money. They're a little bit pickier about who they're giving money to. But if you qualify, and particularly if you can reduce your, your rate by 1% or more, um, that is something that you should probably look at. A um, couple other things. Um, there are people who have, and particularly if you were maybe unemployed this year or maybe you are older and you have high medical expenses, don't waste low income levels. Um, you can do Roth IRA conversion. So for example, you know, let's say that you had to, that you had to for medical purposes enter a retirement home and a certain portion of that expense is, is tax deductible. You might be able to make significant Roth IRA conversions without having to pay any taxes at all or, or even minimal amounts. So just because you are not a high income taxpayer does not mean that you should not think about year-end planning and one of the ways that we could do some of that planning is with um, Roth IRA conversions. Um, another thing, um, donating stock to charity. Be a little careful here. If you're, you know, a lot of people prefer donating stock to charity rather than donating cash, and that certainly makes sense if the stock or security that you are going to donate to charity made money. On the other hand, if you have a loser, you are better off selling the loser, recognizing the loss, taking the proceeds, and then making the contribution to charity. Section 529 plans, which we talked about um, a little bit, which are basically tax-free education funds for um, either children or grandchildren, I think are great plans. Um, the other thing is you are now allowed to use that money to purchase computer-related technology. So, for example, you can use that money to purchase computers or Internet access um, and related services. So that actually expands it. Um, I have been a little bit on the soapbox about Roth IRA conversions, but you also, under the new law, if your employer allows it, you have the ability to make a conversion from a traditional 401k to a Roth 401k. Or if you are in the public sector, whether you work for a university or a hospital or a nonprofit, you can make a conversion from a traditional 403b to a Roth 403b. That is a very powerful um, piece of information for people who mainly have their retirement assets in their um, retirement plan at work as opposed to having that money in a um, IRA. The only thing that you should probably be aware of is that if you make a Roth IRA, I'm sorry, a, a 401k to Roth IRA or a 403b to a Roth 403b conversion, unlike a traditional Roth IRA conversion, you're not allowed to undo that. And I know I'm giving you a laundry list of things, but we're, we're, we're approaching running out of time and there are some, some very good things. Bob did mention um, you should be thinking seriously about 
making retirement plan contributions. One person that was in recently, um, they were not, they were well below the $22,000, which is the maximum that you're allowed to contribute to either a traditional 401k or a Roth 401k. And I said that they, maybe they should consider putting contributing their entire December paycheck um, to up the amount that they could contribute to their retirement plan. And that, that piece of advice worked very well. Um, there are some other things. We call these oldies but goodies. Um, in other words, this isn't necessarily new stuff, but it's something that we um, like to tell people. Um, we're big fans of taking advantage of pre-tax parking breaks. If your employer offers pre-tax dollars to be used for parking or mass transit or van pools, take advantage of that. Um, a lot of people don't have that option. I think that you should. Um, another thing, uh, and maybe I should think about this myself, is that self-employed um, individuals should consider employing their children. Um, so I am a big fan of that. Um, one of the reasons is, is that we there are some savings on Social Security. And then the, the other thing is, and by the way, if you, if, if you hire your child to do some work for you, Either if you're a sm either you're a small business or even just um, you want to hire your child to do some work, I do recommend that that child do legitimate work. I mean, part of this part of this is yes, we're trying to maximize the the family goals, but we're also trying to um, teach teach children values, and I think actually having them do work is valuable. But I'm a big fan of doing um, Roth IRA contributions for children. I believe we have a call. We do have a call coming in from Chicago. Right. Robert, are you there? Yes, I am. All right. Hello. Good evening. You're on the phone with Jim. You have a question I about a Roth know, IRA, I think, right? Uh, yeah, I had a question regarding my, my, my parents, actually. My father's going to retire here uh, within the next few months, and he, he's he got a, a t, uh, what do you call it, a thrift savings plan with the government. Okay. And my mother is a nurse, and she has um, she has a couple uh, what do you call four hundred three Bs and um, and a couple out on IRAs. So the question is is and, and the income bracket they their income is probably probably eighty thousand each, so about one hundred and sixty thousand uh, before taxes. So being that you're you're saying that they should probably. Uh, be a good idea to do the Roth conversion. Uh, wait, 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 wait. I didn't quite say that, but 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 go ahead. Finish your question, but I just well, don't... Well, uh, we're just wondering if that would be a good uh, idea for them to possibly convert some of their IRA money to a Roth uh, this, you know, within the next, you know, month or so. Well, let's, let's take a look at that. Right now, your father's earning $80,000. All right. Correct. Um, next year, maybe he'll work for a couple months, but let's 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 f for our example keep it real clean and say he didn't make anything. All right. Okay. So his income would be reduced by eighty thousand dollars. There's a very good chance that he will be in a lower tax bracket in two thousand eleven than he is now. So even though mom's still making between eighty to a hundred thousand a year. Yeah, so because presumably mom mom worked this year, so if if your parents' tax bracket are let's say between eighty and a hundred for mom, 
and another 80 for dad, that's going to put income before itemized deductions and exemptions and stuff um, at $160,000. So, so they're likely to be in a lower tax bracket after dad retires. Now, interestingly enough, in prior years, I would have said, hey, wait until after year end when you're going to be in a lower tax bracket and make the Roth IRA conversion when you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. On the other hand, for your parents, one of the things that they're allowed to do is make the Roth IRA conversion in 2010 and recognize half the income in 2011 and half in 2012. How long do you think your mom's going to keep working? Uh, I would say maybe five more years, maybe. Well, see, that that's a tough one, but it might make more sense to even wait until mom retires and then do the Roth IRA conversion in the lower brackets um, or maybe do a, do smaller ones while you're working. We like to run the numbers to to really make the optimal use of, of Roth IRA recommendations. But I will tell you that I really like, I think that you have to be, or your parents in this situation, have to be very aware of their current tax bracket, their future tax bracket, and I'm not a big fan of making a Roth IRA conversion at a high tax bracket when you're going to be later in a lower tax bracket. All yeah, right. because cur- I was going to say currently they have uh, they have still have some deductions on their um, what do you call that Schedule A I believe it's called. Right, their itemized deductions. So their their mortgage will be paid off uh, within the next year to two years. So that will hurt them on the tax-wise, right? Because they'll offset those deductions. I, I would love to answer further. I believe we are just about <laughs> we at the We are getting the high time. sign. You can always give us a call, Robert. Okay. You can call Jim in our office. Um, our number is 412-521-2732. Uh, two quick reminders. We gave you two great offers tonight. If you do buy the Roth Revolution on Amazon.com and you send us the receipt, we're going to send you our DVD $99 it's usually we're going to send it to you for free. Simply send the receipt over to me, Nicole, at paytaxeslater.com. And we've covered so much tonight, but we have this in a report for you. It's all typed up in black and white. If you send me a, uh, an- another email, I will send this out to you tomorrow, and you'll have it all in your hands for your 2010 tax planning. We want to thank Bob Keebler again, everyone, for listening. And you've been listening to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Thanks for listening to the Lang Money Hour, where smart money talks. Portions of the audio that you just heard will be posted online at retiresecure.com. You can also find a list of upcoming events and topics at retiresecure.com. To seek Jim's advice personally or to speak to a member of his dedicated staff at Lang Financial Group in Squirrel Hill, call 412-521-2732. Join us again in two weeks when we talk more smart money.